Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. Bringing you the latest from the world of sports, DFS, and gambling. With over five years of hot takes and millions of downloads later, I guess he's been doing something right. Now, sit back and listen to one of the sharpest minds in the game. Here's your host, Dwayne Callender. Hello, everyone. It is a busy Saturday here and got a lot to talk about. So we're going to split this into two separate episodes. We're going to cover the NFL on this uh, show and I'll do a separate UFC show because UFC 283 is here in, well, not here locally. It's actually over in Brazil, but you know what I mean. Uh, we'll, we'll cover that in a separate episode. So we'll break down all the fights and where I expect things to go, but uh, let's get into this NFL Saturday because uh, uh, we've got uh, different contests uh, between uh, DraftKings and FanDuel. Uh, DraftKings is focusing on four games, DraftKings, uh, FanDuel's focusing on the two-gamer. So I'll give my thoughts on the Saturday games of how to approach the two-gamer because I have various ways of approaching it uh, as to all four games versus the two games. Um, just from an overall thought process standpoint, I do think that, uh, it's, would be more beneficial to folks, especially when you're playing two gamers. Um, a lot of times folks split up, uh, the rosters in terms of who they're selecting. They want to get all the good players. They want to get some value. I would always kind of lean more towards. Sometimes you're better off overloading when it's a two-game slate versus uh, when you have uh, a four-game slate. The reason being is that, you know, if it's a close game and back and forth, chances are you're probably going to get more value out of that back and forth game with both offenses kind of going off than a, you know, a balance across uh, all the games. Because if you get a blowout, Chances are, I mean, yes, they'll score points, but you'll find that sometimes you'll get like the the losing team somehow scores points more than the star players on the winning team, and it, it's weird how that works sometimes because uh, I know it does. Like even as I say, it doesn't sound like it makes sense, but I'll give you an example. There is a real chance that uh, Kansas City. Uh, goes up big against the Jags today, and it's a nine-point spread, but Mahomes is nowhere near the winner because maybe uh, with the Chiefs getting up, they just run the ball with Pacheco or McKinnon. More likely Pacheco, if it's, uh, uh, if it's a big lead, they'll just use Pacheco's size to ice the game, and Mahomes basically is nowhere near the... Uh, the passing props that uh, have in mind, because the passing props typically are assuming that, you know, he's getting close to being in the mix. Whereas I look at it from the standpoint of, I, I think Mahomes probably is one of the worst plays of the weekend because I don't think necessarily that Jags matchup is remotely close. I think it's more of the fact that, with the Jags, you know, they're there, but they're there because Brandon Staley is an absolute moron. Like, let's just let's just call it for what it is. There's no way, there's no way that the Jags should be playing today. It's like I'm, I'm just being blunt. There's no way the Jags had any business being uh, in play today. It's it's just the fact, a simple fact of the matter, that the Chargers screwed up so royally, and uh, you know I already had my meltdown about this last week about how bad the Chargers' play calling was. But when you're looking at this Saturday slate, you got the Chiefs favorite at eight and a half, you got the Eagles favorite at seven and a half. The Sunday games are the tighter games. You got the Bills favored by four and a half, which uh, and it was five and a half. It's going down to four. I'll touch on that game. And then the 49ers favored by three and a half over the Cowboys. Even that line um, has wavered a bit because it was uh, it was four and a half. Now it's down to three and a half. 
chances are from a DFS scoring standpoint where you're looking at DraftKings Vandal, there I find there's way more opportunity on the Sunday games and loading up on the Sunday games than there is on the Saturday games. The only exception that I'm going to give to that is at the tight end position because I think Travis Kelsey still can get there given how bad the Jaguars are at defending tight end. Because the Jags are a basically from all statistical rankings, bottom five in the league across the board uh, defensively against tight ends. They, they are bad. And the, and the Giants are bad against tight ends too. They're, they're bottom third, but the Jags are in the bottom five. Uh, and, you know, it's, uh, it's, they're not that far off from the Seattle's and Arizona's of the world. They're, they're like, that's how bad they are at defending tight end, um, in terms of the Jags. So to me, you know, I could be jumping ahead of things, but I will say that from a betting standpoint, you know, I'm not as interested on some of these games for Saturday as uh, as uh, some of the others might be, um, just because I don't think these games are as close as people uh, say they are. So um, just just to walk it back here, uh, and I'll I'll give you kind of what the um, the props are. Uh, so yes, we know that. Uh, we we know that the Chiefs are favored, but the Patrick Mahomes passing props are for over three hundred yards passing today. Over three hundred yards. I'm not sure how if you're expecting the Chiefs to cover that ten point spread, how it remotely makes sense that the Chiefs are going to be chucking the ball that often. Like, there, there are, like, passing props I don't understand here. So, you, the, uh, you got Mahomes at 300-plus passing yards. You've got Jalen Hurts at over uh, 240 passing yards when, again, if you're looking at Jalen Hurts' stats throughout the year, realistically, uh, if you look at Jalen Hurts' game log, in terms of passing yards, uh, Jalen Hurts, and again, this is where you got to be, because uh, like the passing yard props for Jalen Hurts is uh, right around 245 passing yards. I'm going to give you a synopsis of like kind of some of the games Jalen Hurts has had uh, over time uh, in the NFL this year, because again, it's 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 boomer bust. Like he'll either uh, be under two fifty, or he's gonna smash three fifty. Like it it it's all over the place. So uh, just being perfectly honest with you guys, uh, Jalen Hurts he's had over and and um, again this is the passing yard prop. He's he's at two forty five. So yes. He was out for the uh, injury to his non-throwing shoulder, but even with that, he's played. Uh, he's played fourteen games this year. With those fourteen games and a passing yard prop at uh, two forty-five, the number of games he's been over two hundred forty yards passing, uh, like two hundred forty-five yards passing, it's five. He's got five games. In those games that he's over 240 yards, he's thrown for over 300 yards. So that that's where I'm saying the delta is massive. So where this line is for a passing yard prop, he's either coming under it or he's going to smash it ridiculously uh, over uh, the passing yard prop. So this is one of those where I look at it from the standpoint of, Rather than bet the passing yard prop at 245, you might as well take it up to 275. If you feel strongly he's going to have a massive passing game, you may as well just uh, bet the prop. Uh, if you're doing single-game parlays on DraftKings or FanDuel, you're better off putting that uh, uh, 
doing an alternative line prop and putting him at 265, 270, where you're going to get a, a way better numbers as a dog because everyone's pr- uh, uh, projecting him at the 245 mark. Like, to me, there's more likely he's coming in under. But if he's going over, he's going over it massively. It, I don't see him coming in at like, oh, he's only going to pass for 255 yards. No, he's he's probably going over 270, 280, probably cracking 300 because he's cracked 300 a couple of times. It's happened. But that's what I'm saying. It's such a boomer bust that it's it's an interesting dynamic where I don't necessarily like the Philly passing game against the Giants outside of Dallas Goddard. But as I already told you guys, the Giants aren't great against tight ends. Goddard should have a good day. But the problem is, is Goddard's day enough when I think Travis Kelsey probably has a massive game against uh, the Jags. Like that, that's, that's the issue. Goddard could have, like, uh, you know, he could put up, a, he could get a touchdown and have over 80 yards uh, receiving. If Kelsey has the, uh, the monster game that I think he could have with over 100 yards and, uh, and a bunch of reception scores, like, the Goddard is not nearly enough, like, what he's going to put up that it's it's even worth the effort. You know, I think it's it, this is one of those cases where, you know, from, and again, it's about having um, the balance of how you want to build out your roster construction, especially for DFS. I'm not necessarily sold on the fact that you're going to get tremendous value out of some of these Saturday games. I think you're better off building for Sunday and uh, going from there, outside of Travis Kelsey. Now, for, and we can talk about NFL showdown purposes, how to construct lineups for each game. I, I think from uh, just natural build selections, I think you're probably uh, focused on the tight ends on both uh, squads. I, I do think you can play... Travis Kelsey in NFL Showdown in the captain spot, and I think you can play Dallas Goddard in the captain spot. The reason being is that I think this Giants Eagles game, you know, it's it's a weird it's a weird matchup because the uh, the over under is at forty seven and a half, and I have a feeling that this game goes under because uh, you know I. I'm struggling to see where the Giants offense, and again, I'm a Giants fan, so people think I bash my own team way too much, but I struggle to see where the Giants are putting up the points against the Eagles because I fully expect the Eagles to spy on Daniel Jones. So if the Eagles spy on Daniel Jones and his rushing prop is at 45, I think betting the under on Dan Jones's rushing prop is the way to go, personally. But I get Vegas looking at it and saying he ran for over a hundred yards last week. Forty six is uh, is high, but if he's going to be that aggressive running, uh, he should make forty five. I get it. I just don't see Philly's defense allowing that to happen, and. The toughest part about all this is the fact that this could just be a game where Philly just runs all all day on the Giants. Like between Miles Sanders, Jalen Hurts scrambling, they'll use Boston Scott. Like Boston Scott always scores touchdowns against the Giants. Pisses me off. Uh, you know, you could just get a scenario where it's just Philly grinding on the Giants with the rush game, and they bleed out the clock. That's the other reason why I like the under in the Philly Giants game. Do I think the Giants can hang around? Yeah, it's possible the defense holds up, but as I try to explain to folks, 
the most important thing about the Eagles-Giants game is the time of possession. If the Giants cannot control the clock and the time of possession is uh, basically even or in favor of Philly, the Giants have absolutely no shot to win this game. There is zero chance the Giants win this game. The only chance the Giants have of winning this game is if the Giants are in control of time possession and the Giants control the clock for at least 34 minutes. They, that's the way I look at this. The Giants have to win the time possession. It can't be even, and they absolutely cannot lose. They cannot lose the time possession. If the Giants lose the time possession, Philly's going to roll this team. I, I firmly believe that because if Philly is allowed to use their rush game and bleed the clock on the Giants, the Giants team is going to get tired and they're eventually going to uh, start uh, giving up uh, giving up chunks of yards on the ground. It's it's just one of those things where I don't I don't think that this is necessarily the case where. This is a great matchup for the Giants. I think where, and this is uh, what I said last week, I think the co- uh, coaching advantage side di- sides directly with the Giants last week. This week, I think the coaching matchup is pretty good against the Eagles. I think the Eagles have been pretty solid in terms of how they want to execute their game plan. And the second half adjustments that the Giants usually are able to make yeah, they'll be able to make some adjustments, but the natural talent of T- Philly is so much higher than the JV squad the Giants play with. And yes, they have Saquon Barkley. Yes, I am fully aware of that. Across the board, Philly is flat out better. We didn't we didn't have the money to keep. Uh, we we did not have the money to keep Bradbury. He's on the Eagles now. Our say uh, uh, the. Uh, the Philly uh, secondary is basically like with C.J. Gardner-Johnson, uh, you know, Slay. Like, the Philly's got a loaded secondary. You look at Philly's secondary, you look at their front line with Hassan Reddick and Josh Sweat. Like, the, the it, it's, they are demonstrably more talented than the Giants. Like, like I, I, and I, and I know folks want to try to make it seem like this is a close matchup. It really is not that close of a matchup. Like, Philly has a demonstrably better roster. Thanks mainly to John Robinson and a lot of bad roster decisions between the Giants, Saints, and uh, and the Titans. Like, that's just the fact that, like, there are a lot of teams and GMs who deserve to get fired. Which led to Philly getting the roster that they have this year. It's not... It's not clean. Like, if you compare these two rosters, there is no way I could actually say the Giants are even comparable roster. I'd say Philly's roster is closer to a uh, B plus, A minus. Giants roster is closer to a C minus. That's just the that's just the reality of the situation. That is the reality of the situation. The Giants have played well and above their actual skill level. That's the truth. It does not mean that the Giants are a good team. Because I keep telling folks this. Giants are not a good team. They play hard, but they're not a good team. Because their roster is so depleted. Because of Dave Gettleman butchering the salary cap horribly. Like, they got some good players. But in terms of the overall balance of the team. Like, they are talent deficient. That's just the reality situation. So, between these two Saturday games, which game has the more likely tendency, uh, uh, probability blow it out? It's the Phillies-Giants game, which pisses me off as a Giants fan. But that's the reality situation. If you're tell- asking me which game has a chance to actually be close, it's going to be the Jags-Chiefs game, even though the Jags have no business being here uh, in the playoffs still. They played a horrible game last week. If the Jags are anywhere close to as bad as they played that first half against the Chargers, the Chiefs are going to blow them out by 25 points or more. That That's just a reality situation. 
The Jags cannot possibly be as bad as they were last week. With that being said, I still think the Chiefs win this, and I don't think it's necessarily that close of a game, but I will say that of the games that have the potential to be closer, it's the the Chiefs-Jags game. I think the Giants-Philly game is the one that is most likely to be a complete blowout. That That's just the reality situation. So, if you want to do money line bets, I would just parlay the Chiefs and Eagles and call it a day. I I don't necessarily like any underdog money line bets. Uh, I don't think this is necessarily bet uh, uh, parlay the spread bets because there's a chance, there's still a chance that these games are closer. But I will say that these games are definitively in favor of the home teams that you could just do the teaser of the home teams and throw your uh, bet in that fashion so that essentially you just need uh, uh, these guys to uh, win by a field goal if you're just throwing into a teaser, which I think is more than reasonable. So that's what I got. I'll finish up uh, the actual DFS roster construction as I talk about the Sunday games, but we're going to take a quick break and uh, I'll circle back with uh, my thoughts on the Sunday matchup. So stay tuned, folks. Don't go anywhere. The Fantasy Throwdown Podcast will be right back after our sponsors pay the bills. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Don't go anywhere. The Fantasy Throwdown Podcast will be right back after our sponsors pay the bills. All right, so we're back, and I know some of you are probably listening and still wondering why I'm so negative on these Saturday contests. I, I, I just have to be honest, the way the Sunday matchups line up, and it and because the over totals are still pretty decent for Saturday, it's not like it, it should be that, like, uh, that dispersed, but I will say for the Sunday contest, uh, and the way you have to look at it conceptually is that you're trying to limit the concentration of big plays to certain players. And with the way the Chiefs operate, Mahomes has been spreading the ball around uh, in general. So, yes, I, while I know Kelsey's going to be the top target and the way the Jags play their defense, he's going to get a ton of targets. There are going to be guys like uh, Kadarius Toney, uh, formerly of the Giants, who will get catches too. But that doesn't mean Juju Smith-Schuster won't get involved. It doesn't mean that uh, uh, Valdez-Scantling won't be involved. You'll still get uh, a mix between Pacheco and McKinnon. So there's too much uh, differentials. And then when you get to the Eagles, forget about it. Like I said, you could get multiple running backs in addition to Sanders. So you can get Gainwell, you can get Boston Scott. Like Boston Scott's got like, I forgot what the stat was, like about like 11 touchdowns in uh, five games against the Giants. Like, he's got some ridiculous stat line of touchdowns against the Giants that, uh, guess what? He could easily score a touchdown, and it wouldn't shock me. So, it, it's just, there's too much differentials uh, that could kind of come into play with uh, the Saturday contest versus Sunday. Sunday, you know, if we start off with uh, if the game of the week, in my opinion, the Bills hosting the Bengals this time. The Bengals, you know, obviously we had the DeMar Hamlin situation. The Bengals essentially got the short end of the stick where they agreed to cancel the game, and yet somehow they're the team that doesn't get to host the the playoff game against the Bills. 
it, it still rubs the Bengals the wrong way about how that went down. But when you look at it, the route trees are going to be far more concentrated on the Bengals side. Uh, you have Jamar Chase. T. Higgins, uh, T. Higgins might be the biggest trap play of the week where, you know, he's uh, 5800 on DraftKings. The price tag is cheap. The problem with T. Higgins is T. Higgins is more than likely hurt. And, you know, there's no real, like, kind of, like, trying to, uh, uh, you know, we can sneak around it, but in the guys that I would worry the most in this matchup uh, mentally is T. Higgins being back on that field again uh, against the Bills where, you know, he's the one who got all uh, the negative and hate messages for making a football play, by the way, uh, because of how Hamlin went down. You know, how's he's gonna, how is he going to respond? In addition to being banged up, how, mentally, how is he going to hold up in that kind of contest where, you know, the play that he made went across the middle, lowered his shoulder, drove the defender back. Like, that's what he's supposed to do. But how's he, how's he mentally he's uh, prepared for that? To me, I think Higgins is one of the biggest trap plays of the week because I'm not sure. And it's, and it's, it is one of those unfair things where, you know, I don't think it's necessarily uh, something that you could say, yeah, he should get over it. Like, that was a traumatic experience he just went through. Yes, it, it, it's uh, he's not the one who went through cardiac arrest. But, you know, you literally saw a man that was clinically dead on the field. On the field, following your contact with him, which was a perfectly legal play. But he went down, and it happened. And people who don't understand football blamed T. Higgins for lowering his shoulder. Like, there were actual football players blaming T. Higgins as well. Which, like, Bart Scott, like, be better, bro. You gotta be better than that. Like, that was ignorance. I expect that from people who don't really follow football or never played. But, come on. You can't be saying that. So... With everyone plugged into social media, T. Higgins has been going through that and reliving that and replaying that in his head. Mentally, I'm not sure he's there. Physically, he's pretty banged up. It's obvious, basically watching the routes he was trying to run uh, last week against the Ravens, he is not there. So that's why I look at it. He may just be the biggest trap play of the week because there are enough players on the Bengals between... Tyler Boyd, Hayden Hurst, uh, you've got targets for Burrow. T. Higgins could just be used as a decoy. And Jamar Chase is so good, even with the attention he's going to garner, he's still going to cook. So I look at the bagel situation as if you remove T. Higgins, you take someone out of the equation, don't even bother looking at him from, especially on the Sunday-only slate. I, I think we're Sunday only. Everyone's going to get cute and try to go to T. Higgins to uh, do the salary savings. I think if you just fade T. Higgins entirely, that's probably the best way to go. I think there are enough options. I mean, Debo Samuel is 5,900. I'd rather just play Debo and, and go with it on both slates. But for Sunday only, I think it makes even more sense to completely fade T. Higgins and live with the consequences. If T. Higgins goes out and has a monster game against the Bills, it's going to be a rough weekend for me. But I, I just think that there's enough leverage where folks are going to just be jamming in T. Higgins to get off of Jamar Chase because the 2,000 uh, difference on DraftKings, it's 1,500 on FanDuel. FanDuel, he's 7K, and uh, Jamar's at 8,500. Even then it's still enough of a salary savings that I could see folks pivoting and saying, yeah, Jamar, uh, Jamar's going to get uh, a bracket coverage. doesn't matter. Burrow going to find ways to get the ball to Jamar Chase. And even so, I still think that inside the slot, it's going to be Tyler Boyd. So to me, I think the easiest uh, call is just fading out T Higgins and rolling the dice otherwise. So, because that's where I kind of look at the slate in general and say, you know, there are 
there are other ways of kind of building out the lineups that we don't even have to concern ourselves with uh, with the breakdown. So, yeah, that's where my my head is at at the moment. It, it to me, I think it just kind of comes down to getting in a, a proper uh, frame of mind because I from the folks I keep talking to. I just get the sense that the inevitability of people saying it's uh, Bills Chiefs, I just feel it's the Bengals. And I think the Bengals match up even better against the Chiefs than the Bills do. I, I think the Bengals legitimately have a chance to go back to the Super Bowl again because I do feel as though these two teams are better than the Chiefs. The Chiefs have been able to manage games by being smarter than the other team but against a team like the Bengals and the Bills I think the superior talent on both of those squads is too much for KC to handle because the actual matchups individual matchups in the trenches and when you look at the outside skill positions the Chiefs are actually outmatched now that they don't have Tyreek Hill anymore. But Mahomes has been playing at such a high level intellectually and actually letting the offense dictate itself in terms of how you move the ball around. That's why he's the MVP this year. Because he's actually letting all the tools come to the forefront, not just skill alone. Yes, the physical gifts are still there, but mentally he's actually processing the offensive plays that need to get done. So, to me, that's why Mahomes is the MVP for even getting the Chiefs to this point. Because if you look at it, even the Jags, even the Jags, I think are have more talent overall than the Chiefs do. I still think the Chiefs uh, win that game outright, uh, win this game outright today. But it wouldn't shock me if the game's closer than expected if the Jags play a smart game of football and don't turn the ball over. Would it shock me? Because I I look at this Chiefs team and I see and I see the the talent deficit uh, uh, between them and the other teams. I think the NFC would love to see the Chiefs in the Super Bowl because that would be the best chance for the NFC to actually win the Super Bowl this year. If it's the Chiefs and not one of, uh, one of these other teams outside of the Jags, I, I do think the Jags would not be able to handle the Super Bowl moment at all. But. I do think between the Bills and the Bengals, the NFC would much rather play the Chiefs. I, I don't think it's even close uh, between who uh, the NFC coaches would rather face. So now that we've been talking about this uh, Bengals-Bills game, a couple things that I want to know. Josh Allen, I've been talking about it for weeks now. Hell, it's been the entire season. Has not been paying close enough attention to ball security and managing the football. This is the other reason why I think the Bengals win this game. I definitely am of the opinion that in a high-pressure situation like this, Josh Allen is far more prone to make a mistake uh, than uh, Burrow is. Now, can Burrow turn the ball over? Certainly. I'm not saying no. It's it's not out of the realm of possibility. But what I am saying is that it's far more likely that you're going to get the mistake coming from the Allen side than the Burrow side. With that being said, the prop on Allen throwing an interception is minus 155 on DraftKings. Caesars is around 160, BetMGM right around where DraftKings is at minus 155. But Vegas honestly thinks Josh Allen is going to turn the ball over too. Uh, you know, that's a pretty high number in terms of uh, of an interception prop. Even Dak Prescott, whom has been a turnover machine all year, he's only at minus 175 to throw a pick today. Minus 160 at Caesars. So, you know, those are high props. But, again, Vegas is telling us we expect screw-ups from Dak and uh, Josh Allen today. Burrow, uh, minus 135, yeah, it's possible because uh, if they get aggressive, knowing how aggressive the Bills' defense is, certainly. The the number I think is even more interesting to bet overall is Brock Purdy at minus 120. Given how aggressive the Cowboys' defense is, there's a real chance Brock Purdy throws a, a pick as well. So, to me, 
I would actually suggest, and, you know, this is just me in, you know, depending on how you want to bet this, I think all these quarterbacks are good for an interception today. And so, you know, you can't parlay this, um, unfortunately, at most sports books. But I would be tempted to throw in some individual bets on all these quarterbacks throwing uh, picks today. Because I think there is a very real possibility across the board. We see the defenses all make an interception today. It may not be a case where, you know, you're getting multiple interceptions from a team. But I will say, if if there is someone who's going to throw multiple picks in the game today, it's probably going to be Josh Allen. So, you know, from, again... It's not the craziest thing in the world, in my opinion, that you get Josh Allen having uh, an implosion game. And even with his implosion game, Allen could still throw for over 250 yards and rush for 75 yards. The rushing prop on Josh Allen is still too low at 44 and a half because knowing how Josh Allen runs under pressure easily he can get that in the first half. I, like, I love Allen's rushing prop because at uh, 44 and a half, there's more than likely a chance that tomorrow he's going to be over 50 yards rushing in the first half alone. I I honestly think he can get that in the first half, even uh, with that number being where it is. So to me, there are a couple of different props you can go at here, but my mine is... Uh, the rushing prop and the interception prop. So that's where I would be looking at target. I still think the Bengals win this game now. That that's the thing. Is I still look at this as a case where you're going to get turnovers made. It's just a matter of what can uh, what can the uh, Bengals do in terms of mitigating some uh, a sloppy play. On the road, because obviously being on the road, but I also think that being on the road kind of puts them in the spot where they got to lock in more. So I'm actually more of the opinion that, and I know people want to talk up uh, the potential of DeMar Hamlin being at the game. I think part of that ends up being feeding more into the emotion and getting too hyped up. So I'm, I'm concerned. I'd be concerned on the bill side of this team getting a bit too hyped up in terms of the game itself and that leading towards uh, that leading towards uh, uh, the Bills coming out flatter than you would have expected them to because of the fact that they 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 just got so amped up it, it, it just th- it just threw them off their game I, I think there's a very real possibility of the Bills not necessarily coming out firing on all cylinders that you would have expected them to and you know the the concern the concern that uh again i would i would place on the on the bills is the fact that this is the toughest team they're, they're going to face i know that they, they say it's the chiefs i just think that the Bengals match up better with the bills than the chiefs do and the talent level on the Bengals is higher than what they face on the Chiefs. The Chiefs is more of a mental thing of not getting in your own way uh, and making mistakes. The Bengals, I think the Bengals are just as talented as the Bills, if not more so from an offensive standpoint. And defensively, the Bengals are underrated with their uh, defensive line and the pressure they can generate. All right, so getting to the final game of the weekend, let's talk about Dallas and San Francisco. Obviously, the Niners playing with uh, backup QB Brock Purdy. He's played well uh, throughout the stretch. And with Dallas, they had a convincing win over Tampa Bay, which, again, I always put a bit of a asterisk on that because Tampa has been a Jekyll and Hyde team all year long. You never know which Tampa Bay team is going to show up. And with that being said, Dallas played a clean game. But we always say we want a team that can throw the ball down the field to target that secondary. I just had concerns about Dallas doing it because Dak and that passing attack has been so relatively inconsistent that 
realistically, that kind of f- uh, feeds into what uh, Tampa Bay typically wants. They want inaccuracy so they can gamble on some of those plays and pick the ball off. That's why I was concerned about how Dallas was approaching the game because I know Tampa wanted them to throw the ball. It's just that Dallas was so clean that it didn't matter. They were going to get their ass kicked regardless. So with that being said, when we look at this game, this really comes down to how effectively can Dallas run the ball, which I have my doubts about, and can San Fran keep those extended drives going? Because if they keep the extended drives going and they control the time possession where they're up, uh, 35 uh, plus minutes, I am seeing a very narrow pathway to victory for Dallas if San Fran's controlling the clock pretty handedly and they're able to chew up uh, yards on the ground because I think Dallas's defense is going to start getting tired from the game last week. So, and the other interesting aspect of this game is the fact that both these teams love throwing to their tight ends. The problem is, Both these defenses are excellent at defending against tight ends with their linebacking course. So it's also going to be going to be an incredibly difficult matchup to navigate because, you know, the Niners want to feature George Kittle and, you know, the Cowboys like to get Dak in rhythm by having him throw to Dalton Schultz. Do we get the interceptions because they try to force the ball into the tight ends? I think that Dallas is gonna probably going to need to uh, focus more on screen passes against the Niners. And on the Niners' side, you're probably going to get more running plays out of Debo Samuel in the backfield and uh, screens to Ayuk than forcing the ball into Kittle. Well, Kyle Shanahan's going to come up with something creative, in my opinion, to get the ball to Kittle. But I think you're probably going to see more Kittle in the backfield. So he doesn't actually have to line up uh, in the slot and catch a pass, you could have Kittle functioning as a full uh, running back and halfback and get him the ball that way and let and let him work. But they're, they're going to find different ways of getting Kittle the ball. I just don't think it's going to be in a typical uh, tight end formation um, passing play because they're going to have to find ways of getting him involved without having him work like a traditional tight end. I, I don't think uh, going into Dallas' strengths with their linebacking core – is the best way of approaching the, uh, like, I don't think that that's necessarily the, the way uh, the Niners want to try to attack Dallas because I think that plays more to Dallas' strengths of, uh, of forcing the turnover. So, to me, this is where I, I think you're going to need to get more creative. And this is probably going to be on the lower end of the scoring for the playoff games. Uh, you know, to me, out of all the games that could bust, this is the game I would focus more on in that you're probably going to see these teams uh, have more field goals than the other matchups. This is the uh, the game where I I think uh, you probably, I I feel more comfortable with this game being in a low 40 total than any of the others, uh, where we end up getting a game where it only ends up being like a four, uh, you know, a uh, a twenty four twenty type game. I I I think you're you're gonna see a lot of field goals, in my opinion, uh, in this one. So I'm not necessarily sold on the touchdowns coming out of this one. I think you get the receptions, but from a showdown perspective, I do like the kickers on both sides. And I know Cowboys fans are gonna be groaning when I say this, but it's like. Yes, you're going to be on pins and needles with Brett Maher, who missed four extra points. I can't believe that man. That man cost me so much money the other night. Cost me so much money because I played him in the captain spot because it made the roster construction work between the pieces I was fitting on the Cowboys side and uh, uh, the Tampa Bay side. The game didn't uh, play out enough where it mattered. But man, Maher was such a disaster that the Cowboys are going to have a short leash with him. If he doesn't actually get that first kick in, yeah, there's a real chance that they just start ignoring uh, trying to go for field goals and go for it on fourth down. So he's going to be on a short leash. But Robbie Gold is still going to get opportunities to kick the ball. I I look at this from the standpoint of you're going to need to get uh, some field goals out of your kickers. Dallas, they say they're sticking with Mark. We got to take them at their word because I think 
Dallas eschewing field goals and trying to get, keep going for it every time, I think that's a recipe for disaster against the 49ers. They're going to need to get the, uh, the field goal game uh, back on track at, with the kicker. So, you know, obviously, usual suspects on the Dallas side, C.D. Lamb, still in play. You got Michael Gallup, definitely in play. Noah Brown, not as much uh, in play for me. I think uh, San Fran's uh, secondary is still, while they've had struggles the last couple of weeks, I, I don't necessarily being a Noah Brown situation. I think it's just going to come down to you. You got to you got to see what the uh, what the uh, San Fran's defense is going to give them. I think they're going to uh, try to limit CD, which uh, makes Gallup more in play this week. I just. Again, because of the Schultz situation, I'm not. I don't think it's it's. It makes a ton of sense trying to force. Uh, I don't think it makes a ton of sense trying to force the uh, issue with Dalton Schultz uh, on the Cowboys side. I think they're going to have to find different ways of getting guys involved uh, that don't involve Dalton Schultz. But the Cowboys love throwing their tight end so much. Uh, I, I think they they won't be able to help themselves, and they will eventually throw a pick because of forcing the ball into Schultz. So uh, we'll see We'll see how it goes. And you notice how I me- did not mention Ezekiel Elliott's name once during this breakdown. If you want to talk about the the dustiest play of all is Ezekiel Elliott against this Niners defense. There is no freaking way I will ever recommend Ezekiel Elliott in a spot like this, knowing full well that they need someone with who can run between the tackles with power. And like, that is not Zeke. Like this is Tony Pollard. And if Tony Pollard gets out snapped by Zeke and Zeke has more carries than Tony Pollard, Cowboys have automatically lost this game. There's just no if, fans or buts about it. Tony Pollard needs the, uh, needs the carries, needs the touches over Zeke. If the Cowboys do not understand this by now, I don't know what else they can do, but it, it is, far and away the most clear-cut decision that needs to be made in this game. If you actually want to go to the Super Bowl, Tony Pollard has to be more of a focus on the offense today than Ezekiel Elliott. Maybe you use Zeke as a decoy for some passing plays, but that's about it. It, like, it, it does not make any sense to try to uh, go in a different direction with... Uh, with Zeke today, like it's, this is this is about as bad as a matchup as Elliott can get uh, the rest of the postseason. So to me, this is pretty straightforward. Don't get cute. Let it uh, let Pollard get some work, but don't overforce it with the uh, run game either. Because again, it's going to be a difficult, tough sledding no matter who's running the ball today for the Cowboys. But their best shot is with Tony Pollard. It, like, that's just the long and short of it. So, that's all I've got for the slate. Uh, I still think the Niners win. I think the Bengals win. That's my upset pick of the week. And then you got the Eagles and uh, uh, the Chiefs uh, to round out, uh, out the week. But, you know, again, in terms of the game that I think could be the biggest blowout, I, I think, you know, sadly... I think it could be the Eagles over my Giants, but, you know, I think the Chiefs should handle the, the, the Jags, uh, but I will always say this, the the Chiefs are such a low margin of error type team that that game could stay closer than people expect. But outside of that, I still think that the 49ers take care of business against Dallas. Dallas winning wouldn't shock me, mainly because... It is still a backup QB playing for the Niners. It, like, who's a seven-round pick? It, like, let's not go too crazy about Brock Purdy. Now, I do think that San Fran is going to find creative ways of lightening the load on him and, and getting uh, the ball out to their skill position players in space so they don't have to rely on Brock Purdy throwing down the field. But it's not going to shock me if the Cowboys win. It, it really isn't uh, going to be a shock to me. But I expect the Niners to win. I expect the Bengals to win. I think people will call that an upset, but to me, it's not an upset. I, I think the Bengals are just as good as the Bills, and frankly, this line is too high. If being at five and a half, I think it's crazy. It's five and a half. This is really a three and a half type game. The Bills are not that much better than the Bengals, and in fact, I think the Bengals are a better team than the Bills. 
just truth be told, I think the Bengals are a better team than the Bills, given the Bills' proclivities to making mistakes. Uh, the, the mental mistakes, especially from Josh Allen, the mental mistakes have been more pronounced, and that's not something that you clean up over the course of a game. That's more of an indictment of what's been going on throughout the season. I don't know what else I can say about the uh, the, the whole dynamic of this Bills team, but it just to me it just hasn't been looking as though this is a Super Bowl team all year long. It's like they 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 have the talent to make the Super Bowl run, so I wouldn't be shocked by it. But the execution has been so lacking that. I just have a ton. I, I just have a ton of concern about uh, trying to extend it in that direction. So, to me, I think the Bengals take care uh, take care of business on the road, and they go on um, more than likely to be uh, facing Kansas City uh, in KC next week. We'll we'll see how it goes, and then uh, you know we'll see if the Niners uh, uh, take care of, uh, take care of business to then end up playing. Uh, Philly, because I, I do think Philly beats my Giants. You know, it it, it is what it is. But um, yeah, that's all I got, folks. So I'm gonna get on out of here. Uh, thanks for listening to the show, and until next time, have a good one. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Throwdown podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all major outlets. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.